So obviously we go on and get into the new album and talk about this whole pandemic and get your opinion on a couple things. And uh, <laughs> I guess we got to really kind of start with this whole pandemic. Kind of walk me through the timeline for the band. Were you guys already done with the album by the time March 20th had rolled around? But kind of walk me through the whole process for the album for Baptize. So we started it, you know, kind of getting ideas and stuff in like even 2019 and then started tracking a little bit at the beginning of the year and got about half of the record done. And then, you know, COVID hit and we're like, oh, well, uh, we might have to hit the pause button here for a second until we figure out what's going on. But luckily we were able to make it work where, you know, after like a month or two, we were like, all right, we're kind of feeling out how this is working. You know, we can, we wear masks or stay socially distanced and kind of just play it safe just to, for precautionary purposes while we're in the studio or working with each other. Um, we could try to keep this train moving a little bit more. Um, but of course, you know, like, you know, the pandemic kind of stretched out a lot longer than anyone was, was really expecting. So, you know, even the, the release date kind of, you know, has gotten pushed back and pushed back as much as we can. We're like, you know, what, let's just let's just put this thing out because like we're just too excited and we don't want to wait any longer. Loving everything that I've heard and also great, I'm sure, to work with John Feldman again, right? Yeah, man. He's got such an incre- incredible energy and, and vibe to him that just I mean the dude just like oozes talent and just um, you know it's really exciting and stimulating to work with him he just really helps us kind of take ourselves to another level and obviously you had to get someone with long hair in the band that's how Kyle Rosa got the gig in the band because you need to have one long hair in a a metal band but uh, talk about him coming in and did he get to record the drums or did Brandon or how did that whole thing work out Brandon recorded all the drums on the album we didn't uh, we parted ways with Alex in the basically in the middle of this whole recording cycle so because of that you know the drums and everything were already kind of done and we didn't really know exactly what we were going to do as far as that yet so kyle was someone that came to the table a little bit later for several reasons i mean one he's someone that has toured with us before as a drum tech for a while and he was brandon's drum tech so he knows brandon's stuff very well kind of knows uh, not even just brandon but knows our band very well and even prior to that he played drums for hell or high water brandon's other band where brandon was a front man for it right so um you know so he's familiar with working with brandon uh as far as being a, a drummer in a band with brandon the the catalyst that made us even more so realize that he was the dude to um you know kind of step up to the plate in our, our most recent situation with member changes two years ago in uh, 2019 um we were getting ready to go to europe and it was the one and only time we were going to Europe on that record cycle for the NR Wake record cycle. And about two weeks before the tour, uh, Alex hit us up and said that he wasn't going to be able to make it because his back, um, which he's had a bad back for a while. Right. Um, his back was, was just done, you know, and he's like, I just I can't go, guys. I don't know. I feel terrible that I, I can't go. And we're, of course, like, man, like this, like that. We're sorry. You know, that sucks. But like, we, we got to go. Like, we, we have to figure something out there. We can't just not go on this record cycle. So our plan B that we had to come up with was, why don't we put Brandon up front and we'll, we'll grab Kyle Rosa and have him play drums. And we went and did an entire tour in Europe like that. And it was awesome. I mean, it was like one of the funnest tours we've ever had. Like Kyle is just super easy to work with and he's so talented. And we just felt so comfortable with him playing drums. You know, you, when you have the right person, you know, playing any instrument in your band, like um, in order to to have that full confidence live, you want to have confidence in every individual member that you know that they're going to deliver. Because if, if you know that any one person isn't, like, it's hard to be confident, you know, it's hard to, like, I guess, yeah, just be confident in the, in the whole performance because you don't, you know, you don't believe that it, the person's going to deliver and make you sound good, you know, so... 
we got to experience Kyle firsthand, both in, both in small, intimate club settings up to playing some of the biggest rock festivals in Europe, you know, Rock'em Ring and Rock'em Park and Slam Dunk Festival and getting to do these things with him. He crushed it, man. So we we're like, dude, you're you're our guy. And obviously, I'm sure that tour factored in with Alex and you guys parting ways. Gave kind of gave you the confidence in the roadmap. Like, hey, we've already done this before, right? Yeah, I mean, with our band and member changes, actually, we've had a lot in our very, very early days, back in, in like '99 <laughs> to 2000. We went through a few different people before we actually kind of got our quote unquote like first Atreyu lineup like for suicide notes and stuff, but right. we've only lost, you know, two members since the well, first one being our, our first bass player, Chris Thompson, who we replaced with Porter, who was, it was a very organic thing. It was very similar to Kyle. Like when it came time where we had to part ways with Chris, we were like, you know what? Like who's the person that we need for this position? Like, do we try out a bunch of people and do that whole thing? But we're like, no, like we know this guy named Mark at the time he was going by Mark, this guy named Mark McKnight. We know him cause he plays in a band with some of our friends from high school that are really talented people that we've also played in other bands with. We're like, dude, that dude, we've seen him. He can scream, he can sing. He goes crazier on stage than any human being I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, he's our guy. Like he's, we just, we'd never even, we didn't even try him out. We just hit him up. We're like, Hey Porter, do you want to be in our band? Like we need a bass player and you're the only person we're interested in. He was like, yep, that's how we got him. And then same thing when, you know, we parted away with Alex and we're like, man, what are we going to do? We need to, we need to figure out a situation here. The first person we could think of, we're like, Oh, hundred percent Kyle. Like Kyle is, is 100% the person that would be perfect. We already tried him out. It was great. Let's just do that. You know, talking about Kyle coming into the band and, and taking on a new role as a drummer, and you kind of touched on too, but Porter kind of taking a bigger role now with the band as well and doing all of the screaming. Yeah, well, not even all of it. Most of it, I should say, but not all of it, actually, because Brandon is uh, got a, a quite a scream himself and brings that to the table as well, as well as just everyone. I mean, the fact that, you know, not having Alex in the band, we're like, we have a void we need to fill. And we didn't want to just try to emulate it exactly, you know, like at the same time, if we're going to if we're going to have to do something different, like let's do something a, a little bit different, you know, but uh, at the same time, still a Treyu and still in the Treyu world. So a lot of stuff on this new record was us, us trial and error, you know, doing whether it be Brandon trying to sing or scream something, Porter trying to sing or scream, myself trying to sing or scream something, just everybody taking shots at it and just seeing like whose voices felt good over certain parts, and, which even led to, uh, you know, a lot more of Porter screaming as well as myself even on a song called Stay singing the lead vocal on the bridge and the end of the song with Brandon, which is something I've never done for a Treyu uh, in the lead form. You know, I've only done like harmonies and group vocals and things and such. There's a lot of opportunity you know to to fill that void with something special and different so we uh we just been trying all kinds of stuff wow that's great to hear that it's it's your voice and you're doing some singing you're stepping up as well on on the new album yeah i mean we this is such a new chapter for our band i mean even the name baptized for the new record is a lot of that's kind of showing you know um that we're, there is kind of like this fresh start this new beginning for us you know this is a really big new chapter in our band's career you know especially with the new lineup um you know we, we've got to come out swinging you know so you know we, we figured we fill those those voids with just cool new opportunities and uh trying things that we'd never been able to do before. Uh, even bringing someone like Kyle in uh, to the band, he's an incredible singer and he can add another layer of harmonies live and on the album and stuff that's just, you know, just makes everything we're doing even more epic. I'm loving it, loving the album. And, uh, you know, speaking of uh, extra voices, some friends helping out on the album and kind of curious who was, who was picking up the phone and calling Jacoby or Matt Heafy or Travis Barker. Break each one of those down and were you able to actually get in the studio with them or, or with the pandemic, was it kind of more of a uh, mailing your parts kind of thing so there was a little bit of all of that going on with all these situations um we'll start with matt heafy from uh from trivium so matt's someone we've known for a long time we've 
toured with Trivium, you know, I think as far back as even 2007. Just a, just a good dude, super talented guy. He's got a unique voice. I mean, there's just so many elements where we're like, he would be awesome to do something with someday. And, you know, with every album, we're always reaching out to different people to try to just kind of mix it up a little bit. And uh, we wanted to reach out to some different people that we hadn't this time that we'd had our eye on for a bit. And Matt Heafy was one of them. And the, uh, the song that he's on is a song called Oblivion. And that situation was something where we wrote the song. It was completely recorded and done. And then he, because he lives in Florida, uh, we just sent him the song and we're like, look, this is kind of what we're looking to do on this. Uh, here's an example vocally of what we're trying to do. Can you just basically record this part, this part, this part, this part, and we'll just kind of pick and choose from what you send over, what to kind of layer into the song, uh, what feels best, you know? And other than that, like kind of have free range to just kind of be Matt Heafy, you know, and just do your <laughs> thing. Uh, and it's really cool because, I mean, I've, I've, I'm sure you obviously you've heard, you've heard the record. Like yeah. he, he sounds like Matt Heafy, but he doesn't at the same time. Like it's a totally unique delivery from him, which excites us even more about having him on the song because it's like, wow, like it's like he got to bring something fresh that he's never really got to do before to our song, you know, to add this just really interesting element. You obviously got him for the vocal, but was it tough to not be like, hey, you want to lay down a solo too, bro? Because the dude can shred. He does, yeah. I mean, that's something we've never... Asking people to shred on the album is something we've yet to do. I think, uh, I think especially because Travis and myself both are trying to get as many solos in ourselves <laughs> as we can that we've not really uh, leaned on anybody else. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe one day, you know? I mean, he's a, he, I think he's a better guitar player than I am. So at the same time, we're going to have to figure out how to play his parts once he's uh, done tracking one of our ripping solos that he wrote. <laughs> so who made the call but, um, to uh, Jacoby? So Jacoby happened uh, organically through Brandon. Um, Brand, like he, he and the uh, the Papa Roach guys are people we've known for a little while, but as far as um, you know, a, a more recent interaction, uh, Brandon was hanging out with the Papa Roach guys locally you know, a few months ago now, I'm not sure how long ago it was, but somewhat recently. Um, and, you know, it, it was right after we'd have, uh, well, actually timeline, it was right after we parted ways with Alex. And uh, Brandon was talking to Jacoby a little bit about that. And uh, it just kind of came up me to be on a track, man. I'd love to be on a, on a Trey song. And we we're like, you know, of course, Brandon was like, dude, a hundred percent. We'd love to have you on a Trey song, man. You would, crushing a Atreyu song. It'd be such a unique element to, to blend in with what we do into our, into our Atreyu recipe. Um, yeah. So we, um, we have a song called um, Untouchable that just, it's kind of another song on the album that's kind of like our song Warrior, where it's, it's a very anthem sports event kind of song. It's, it's kind of get you pumped up and um, you, you, it's just something you picture listening to at a, a football game or a hockey game, baseball game or something of the sort. Uh, so because of that, we wanted to bring a, like a, just a really great energy to the song. And uh, when we were thinking about what would be a great song for Jacoby to be on, we're like, dude, Untouchable would be perfect. The delivery on the verses almost has this kind of hip hoppy sort of vibe to it, which is such a Jacoby thing. We're like, like we'd already recorded the song. Yeah, same thing like we did with Matt Heafy. We'd already recorded the song, but we wanted to have him go and, you know, replace some of the vocals with his vocals. And in this situation, though, he actually came into John Feldman's with Brandon and they sat down and, and kind of got to walk through each part. Oh, and cool. um, at the end of the day, like Jacoby is so good at what he does. You don't really need to give him too much direction. You know, like you just kind of like just, you just take his leash off and let him go. <laughs> He'll just run and just deliver you some incredible stuff. And He's such a pro and he's, he's, he's been doing this for so long. He understands how the whole process works so much that, you know, he'll go in and just give you all kinds of takes, you know, like all different deliveries of it. So you can just go back and cut and paste and take what you like the best out of each delivery and get like the, this perfect 
you know, kind of set of deliveries from him, which is super cool to hear. I mean, I, you know, growing up listening to Papa Roach and getting to hear his voice on one of our songs is very surreal, which I guess leads me even into a more surreal thing. Um, you know, having Travis Barker on, on our album, which is mind blowing and <laughs> something we never, ever imagined being a thing. So that whole thing happened through John Feldman because John Feldman, you know, he's recorded the last couple of Blink-182 records. Right. He lives in the same neighborhood as... Travis Barker. So they're, they're pretty much neighbors. So Travis just pops in all the time to just track whatever projects they're working on. Just a little side note, if you're recording at John Feldman's house, there's always just random, incredible talent just popping in randomly. It's a really unique experience. I mean, Machine Gun Kelly will pop in randomly or Travis Barker, the 21 Pilot guys. I mean, you just never know who's just going to randomly walk in one day and you're like, oh crap, it's that person. Like, wow, that's, what, a, what an interesting combination of people just filtering through this place. You know, John's got this great relationship with Travis Barker and we'd seen him come in and out a few times and we're like, man, like it'd be so cool to have Travis play drums on on something on our album because, you know, he's so good and like he's someone we've looked up to for a long time and we'd love to just do something unique with him. So John hit him up and explained what we wanted to do and sent over the song that we'd done. It was, again, it was something where we'd recorded the whole song except for the bridge of Warrior, which we wanted him to play on. We just kind of gave him like a blank palette and, and explained what we were looking to do, which in this case is take advantage of his snare drum, like kind of drumline ability, which, you know, he uses here and there, but most people, when they use Travis Barker, he comes in, he lays down the whole drum track on your song where we're like, we don't want to do that. That's, that's what everybody does. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but we just want to do something different. We had him just come in and just track in studio with us, come down and just track a whole bunch of different like drumline stuff, all this crazy snare drum stuff that just made, you know, the huge, you know, like football game, you know, like you're a high school, college football game and there's the band comes out on the field and they're just smashing away on these percussion instruments creating this just big, organic, you know, loud version of whatever song they're covering that day. We wanted to have that energy like on the song, especially because the song is such an anthem, like football game, sports arena, stadium thing. So he came in and, and crushed that. Even just a little side note off of having somebody from Bleak 182, we actually had Mark Hoppus come in and co-write several songs with us. The oh, song, wow. uh, Yeah, the song Deadweight and the song Sabotage Me were both co-written by Mark Hoppus. Now, if you think about that and you go and you listen to Sabotage Me and you listen to the melodies on the verse, pick Mark Hoppus singing them, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is so Blink-182. I never would have even thought of that if you wouldn't put the two and two together. But once you hear it, it's like, oh, it's so obvious. Wow. I, yeah, I'm going to have to go back and listen. I mean, Dead Weight, I wouldn't think at all. I mean, the, the other one a little bit, but Dead Weight's kind of more of a little bit of a slower tune. Yeah, there was a... I, 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 I feel bad. I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but we co-wrote that song with this dude who originally was an Evanescence and he's the guy that wrote like a lot of the Christina Perry stuff. He's like this just incredible songwriter. Like he's just the man. And um, he came in and it was our, it was our band, Mark Hoppus, John Feldman, and this guy wrote this song together. And like, it just, you know, it was the one song that we could get him to come in and work with us on. Not this other guy, not uh, Mark Hoppus, of course. And uh, it, it turned out great. It has a very unique flavor and different vibes than the rest of the songs on the album you know mark hoppus helped out a lot with uh some of the phrasings and like some of the lyrics and stuff like that he's he's really good with that stuff he has like a lot of um systems that he uses to kind of come up with stuff whether it be different like thesaurus kind of things or things to help you with rhyming words and stuff uh, it was really interesting to just to just watch his process it's amazing you know what john feldman you know brings to the table as a producer but also it sounds like his his rolodex is also really strong and a good reason to to work with him and you know speaking of the album and, and you kind of touched on it earlier but solos kind of curious if you have a favorite solo on the album i was thinking maybe no matter what or weed or something but is there a solo that stands out to you one that you're real proud of on the album yeah i mean either broken again solo or 
maybe even fucked up solo. Both of those are ones that I kind of, I wrote to be kind of like Thin Lizzy. You know, I wanted something kind of too big that just kind of sings to you. It's got a little bit of shredding in it, but it's got a lot of just kind of buttery melodicness to it. Cause you know, I love me some like Brian May kind of style, just melodic solos. So uh, yeah, those, those are probably my two favorites on the album. They just got the most feel to them. And you know, I, I can't get enough of, uh, you know, harmonized solos. I just, it, it's tough to not, to not want to just harmonize everything. So uh, <laughs> I have to like be careful. I think most of the solos on the album actually are harmonized because we couldn't contain ourselves. Wait, I'm curious, your favorite out of the, uh, the two videos, I mean, you've done three videos so far, but the two, which one was more fun for you to do, Beat Up Brandon and Warrior or, or to play the uh, Hillbilly and Catastrophe? <laughs> That's a tough call. I mean, uh, Beating Up Brandon is pretty fun. <laughs> um, you know, I wish, you know, I wish we could shoot that video once a week. Uh, <laughs> no, but, um, honest, I mean, yeah, doing the warrior video, I mean, that was probably the funnest one getting to do stuff like that. I mean, the last time we did something of that sort was falling down back in 2007 on our Let's Sales Paper Anchor record, which was also done with John Feldman and featured a huge fight scene that was probably to, to date still the funnest time I've ever had shooting a video. I mean, that was like, we had a whole rain setup going on. We're out in the mud. Everybody was like paired up with people that you had to fight and you kind of choreographed little moments with each other where you had to fight. And you, I mean, it was so much fun. <laughs> um, John Feldman, he was even featured in that. He came out and, and it was like everybody in the fight scene was just like all of our friends and like our family members. It was like all these cameos of just people we knew. And doing this was like kind of a, a smaller scale version of that because we didn't have any cameos or anything. It was just ourselves just beating up Brandon. It's an idea Brandon's had for a while. He's wanted to get beat up for a bit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were happy to oblige. So we get to bust out some uh, some breakaway bottles and stuff like the, like sugar glass ones, uh, stuff that I've, I've never got to use before in any of the any experiences that we've had with shooting videos and stuff. That was our first time getting to use breakaway stuff, which was really interesting, uh, getting to smash that kind of stuff over uh, over his head. I love that the you take a big drink real quick and then smash the bottle over his head. But I'm curious, was there beer in there or just water? In that case, just water. I didn't. I didn't know if. Uh, I didn't know how it would affect um, you know the bottle, and also if we wanted to just smash him with just sticky beer all over him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we were already drinking a little bit of whiskey before uh, shooting it, just to get ourselves a little pumped up to uh, to beat up Brandon. I mean, it's 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 uh, hard and easy at the same time, you no? Know? Because one, a lot of us were very um, we were very hesitant at first because like we wanted to make it look real, but we didn't want to like hurt the guy. Right. But at the same time, like he, he's a pretty big dude. He's pretty tough. He could take a good beating if need be. So uh, it, it got to a point where he was like, look, you guys need to stop being a bunch of little bitches and beat me up. <laughs> um, so you can see some of those shots in there. There's one take in there you can see where Travis, it's in slow motion. Travis just gets him with his huge hook right across the jaw. And you can see Brandon's like cheek shake and the whole thing. And <laughs> that was probably the, the biggest one where everyone was like, oh, like our Brandon, are you okay? Like he like hit you. And, and Travis is pretty, pretty in shape these days. He's been like, He's probably the most ripped dude. Honestly, he is the hands-down most ripped dude in our band at this point. And uh, he got a good, clean shot on Brandon. And we're like, that is uh, something we, we need to step up our game and be more like Travis and beat up uh, Brandon a little bit better. And uh, the underrated video that I imagine was filmed at the live stream set and, and during the live stream. And how were those live streams for you? It felt more like shooting a music video, you know, because there's yeah. no audience there or anything. It's just a bunch of people with cameras and being directed to an extent, you know, like, you know, there's all these different cues and different things going on. So, you uh, you know, you're, you're trying to make sure everything lands at the right time and the lighting cues are all correct and whatnot. So, you know, it's got this certain elements of a live show, but 
without the crowd, it just feels like a music video. It was cool. I mean, it was cool because we got to do this with Kyle playing drums and we got to try some new things out live. Well, at least, you know, live as far as that goes, but some elements that now, because Kyle is in the band, that we're going to be doing actually live um, on stuff here and there where we have members switch up instruments. Yeah. Um, a lot of, yeah, there's, there's a lot of our fans that, you know, obviously are, you know, if you're a fan of Brandon and his drumming are, are like, oh man, Brandon's not playing drums anymore. Like that sucks. But it's like, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that exactly. Brandon's just not playing drums the entire time is a better way to, uh, to, to say it. We have moments where, you know, Brandon will go back on the drums. He'll sing and play drums like he normally does, you know, or used to do, I should say. Uh, and then Kyle actually goes over to bass and plays bass and sings where he needs to. And then Porter comes up front and grabs the mic and just goes, you know, full lead singer vibe. And uh, we do this for a few songs here and there, not a ton, but just where it's appropriate, we'll do it for some of the older songs, especially. And uh, it's just, it creates a whole other vibe. And it's just very unexpected. I mean, it's something we've had in our back pocket, but, you know, with our past lineup, it wasn't something that we could really do. But working with what we have to work with now, this is just something we can do now. So we're like, you know what, screw it. Let's, let's, uh, let's uh, go, go all the way and, and uh, take everything out of our pockets that we've been hanging on to and, and you know, blow the dust off them and, and use them finally. Yeah, I love it. I was going to mention that. I saw the the first uh, the greatest hits live stream, and I, I saw Kyle come down and play bass, and Brandon go back, and Porter just front the band, which was really cool to see. There's a band I don't know if you've ever heard of them before out of Brazil called Ego Kill Talent. They're more of a rock band, but they do that every couple songs. They'll have a, the drummer will go play bass, the bassist will move to guitar, when the guitar players will move to drums. It's crazy. They're going to be on all the uh, festivals, like they're doing Aftershock and all that. But keep an eye out for them and check them out. Oh. They're they're really cool. That's kind of like their branding. Like they always switch. Everyone but the singer switches instruments. Kind of crazy. That's amazing. You know, it's funny. I actually, I did another interview not too long ago, and somebody told me the exact same thing. So apparently, that's the band uh, as far as uh, <laughs> people that do cool stuff with switching up instruments. Uh, so if you're if you're paying attention right now, uh, go check that band out. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, speaking of the live streams, are are you going to do more? Are you going to do one for the album? Or are you just going to wait for concerts at this point? Um, we're not really sure. I mean, we might, we might do like a little something, something, maybe a radio thing here and there. We're not really sure. It's kind of tough. Cause like live streams are kind of, they're kind of dying off a little bit. I mean, it's cool, but it's like, we did one already and we're like, ah, we just want to play shows kind of rather just wait and just, just do it proper. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We, we might do something. We might stream something small, if anything, I don't think we're going to do like a full production, anything, but, um, We'll see. I think we might uh we might even be doing some uh some Twitch stuff or anything of the sort. And is there any uh anything you can talk about for concerts? Are we thinking fall or are we just gonna wait till twenty twenty two or what what's the game plan? We are locked in for three festivals so far. We're playing Aftershock in Sacramento, we're playing Rockville down in Jacksonville, and then we're playing another one's called like Blue Ridge Festival, I think, or something like that. It's in Virginia, okay. I wanna say. Uh-huh. Those are the three we got locked in so far that are announced. As far as like trying to tour or do any other shows, we're trying to book some stuff right now. We don't have anything locked in yet um, as far as official anything. But, um, you know, there is a strong possibility that we will uh, hopefully tour at the end of this year. Awesome. I can't wait. Been way too long. Dude, I appreciate all the time. Just a couple last couple things I wanted to hit you with. Gotta say congratulations on the uh, the nuptials and wanted to talk a little bit about that. Do you feel any different being married now or does it still feel exactly the same? But you got married on Halloween, right? Yeah, yeah. We're do- actually we're doing two weddings. The whole Halloween thing was something that we did because um, we were going to get married um, actually this month. We actually were supposed to get married, but everything kind of got pushed back and we wanted to be able to have our full wedding party and everybody there. So we're like, you know what? 
let's just do something small with just our family members. Actually, we did it at my wife's house uh, or my wife's um, parents' house. They live up in Simi Valley and they have this beautiful lot of land they live on that like overlooks the whole valley. And they have like a little farm, basically, like horses and goats and they have a pig and chickens. And wow. I mean, it's just it's a really it's a really cool situation. So. Um, we're like, you know, why don't we just have a little mini, like just family only, intimate, COVID friendly wedding um, where we do it on Halloween because my wife and I are really eccentric people <laughs> and we want to just do something eccentric, you know? So we're like, let's do it on Halloween. Everybody dress up and uh, don't, the whole thing too is nobody was allowed to tell anybody what they were dressing up as. You had to just show up and surprise everybody. So it was even more fun like that too, uh, which Molly's dad actually dressed up as me, which is really interesting. <laughs> and my mohawk and my stage outfit and the whole shebang. Yeah, it was, it was really funny. And then Molly's mom who, who did the wedding for us, she was kind of like the, um, the priest or whatever. I guess in this case, she was the Hasidic Orthodox rabbi. She dressed like <laughs> up as that because we're, you know, we're Molly, Molly and I are both uh, brought up Jewish. Right. And, uh, so she, uh, she dressed up as like a Hasidic Jew and it was really funny. The whole thing was very entertaining. That's wedding A and then wedding B we're doing actually October 30th. We were going to do it on the exact anniversary of our, our wedding, but it was uh, a Sunday, which we're like, you know, it'd probably be more fun to do it on a Saturday. And that way Sunday is available for um, any of our family members that have, you know, or friends that have kids that want to take them out for Halloween and stuff. So right. uh, October 30th this year, we're doing it, uh, doing it again, but we're going bigger and we're going to make it wild. It's going to be a, a super trippy wedding. What did you guys dress up as? Uh, the wife and, or the uh, groom and bride dress up on, on Halloween as? What did you do? My wife dressed up as um, Cinderella and I dressed up as uh, Prince Charming. My, my wife loves Disney. She's a huge, huge Disney fan. So the perfect scenario, especially because we get to do this twice and the next time we kind of dress more normal per se. Um, <laughs> so it was fun to just kind of like have this kind of just little mini like kind of just quirky wedding. Do you feel any different or does it feel exactly the same except for you just have this piece of paper and the ring to wear every day? Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel the same. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, my, me and my wife have a really awesome like kind of fun relationship where uh, I don't know it doesn't really feel like you know like we've been married for years or anything like that like we've uh, or, or been together for a long time like everything still feels pretty pretty fun and fresh and you know we still have a great time together and whatnot so uh, it, it just uh, I don't know it just kind of feels like just just this moment if anything just a big party a big excuse for a party basically Exactly, a wild party. Now, now that we uh, got to, like I said, knock off the dust with a small one, the next one's going to be wild. I mean, I feel like you know, especially me being the last one in my band, and out of a lot of my friends to get married, and and, and just being the fact that myself and my wife are very colorful, eccentric people, uh, our, our wedding has to reflect that, you know, very much so. So it's it's going to be really cool. I mean, it's going to be super like down the rabbit hole, just weird, awesome, epic wedding. <laughs> awesome, man. Last thing I got for you, dude. Uh, we're old school radio station that still does mandatory Metallica. So I wanted to open up the uh, Metallica fandom in inside of you. Have you ever shared the stage with them? Do you remember discovering them? Let's talk. Let's dig into Metallica fandom with Dan. Metallica. Let's see. We played with them a couple times. Always on like a festival, though. I've never been like a Metallica Atreyu tour. <laughs> right, right. Um, I mean, they're just, you know, they're the kings, you know, of, of metal, like of rock and metal. They're just the biggest thing there is. So getting to experience that and just seeing how they roll is just like, it's really inspiring. And it's, it's you know, for any band, especially in the rock world, I mean, you watch what they do and you're just like, holy crap, man, Metallica is just, when you're that big and you just have like, you're, you, I mean, you just have the best show. I mean, your show is just so ridiculous. It's so over the top in the most awesome, epic ways. They still sound just as good, if not better, than they ever have. I mean, those dudes are just ripping at what they do. I mean, James Hetfield is an animal. You know, it's just, a, it's, it's a great experience. You know, like there's a reason why they're as big as they are and they have been as successful as they have. You know, it's, 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 they're the real deal. You know, you, you will not go to a Metallica show and, and be let down. 
<laughs> Absolutely not. Do you remember how you discovered them? Was it a friend planet? Do you remember the first time you heard Metallica? I mean, the first Metallica I ever heard was Enter Sandman back in the 90s. You know, it was kind of around the time that I was just getting introduced to really, I, I guess, kind of really paying attention to music more than I ever had. Like, I started watching MTV. Like, before, like, music was something in passing I'd hear on the radio. I, I, I sought it out a little bit, but, like, uh, this was like the age when I was like 12, 13 years old. And I was really like, really like pursuing music and just really just obsessed with it at that point. So I remember just going, watching MTV or VH1 and, and you would see Metallica's Enter Sandman would come on every once in a while. And like, I liked it. It wasn't something that I was like super fell in love with, but it was like, it was like, a, you know, I knew it was a great song and it's huge sounding. I mean, the drums, the guitars and everything. It was kind of like, you know, it wasn't exactly in line with what I was listening to at the time. I was kind of a little bit more drawn to the punk world. Right. I was kind of listening more as, as far as the mainstream, you know, like, you know, Offspring and, uh, and, and Green Day, Rancid, things of that such, which kind of led me down way more into the punk world, which then led me into the hardcore bands, which then led me into metal, which was kind of at around high school time where that's when I kind of came back around and started listening to Metallica a little bit more, you know, especially, you know, like a song like, uh, like Battery. I think that's probably the, the most standout song that kind of, you know, resonated with me as far as listening to like, quote unquote, like older Metallica. Beautiful. I was I was going to ask you next what what song should we play for Mandatory Metallica, but I think you just answered it with Battery. Yeah, that song of uh, out of all the Metallica songs that are older, like that one just kind of for whatever reason sticks to my head the most. I love it. We'll rock it, and uh, you know, next time we'll get into some Ingve talk because he's got a new album coming out. We got to go see him when he plays again and get some craft oh, beers yeah. <laughs> and get into get into some craft beer talk next time. But uh, dude, I appreciate all the time. All right, later, Mike. Take it easy. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming online at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.